Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friends. Welcome to She Speaks Life. I have got a guest on here today. Her name is Abigail Wilson. Hi, Abigail. Hi. So Abigail and I have not met face-to-face, but she's just a dear friend. We met through a closed Facebook group that we are involved in, and she has a powerful story to share about transitioning through seasons. There was some loss and some grief. She's just got an amazing, encouraging message to share about how God got her through all of that. So Abigail, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a mom of three, and I live in San Antonio, Texas. My oldest is eight, my middle daughter is six, and my son is three. And for a very long time, we were a military family. My husband in the Army is an infantry officer, and that brought us to San Antonio, where we ended up getting out of the Army, and my husband now in the reserves. But being in the Army has impacted quite a bit of our story. So, how long have you been in San Antonio? Almost six years, which is the longest we've lived anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since we've been married. So. I bet. <laughs> it feels like an eternity. <laughs> yeah, well, being in the military, you kind of jump around, right? Move from... Yeah, we, yeah. we did. We really did. So where, where did your story all begin for you? Yes, the story of my second pregnancy, which was actually a twin pregnancy. It ended up being such a dramatic event that I ended up having to write a book about it. And I say having to because God told me to do it, so I had to write it. Yes, I know. I Um, hear (laughs) you. I know. The longer you're a Christian, the more you're like, oh, I have to do this thing. But it always ends up being a blessing. Exactly. Spoiler alert. Yes. (laughs) So I wrote a book called The Day Between, A Memoir of Miracles, and it was based on Jesus died on the cross on a Friday, and then he raised from the dead on a Sunday, but there was this whole day in between that I honestly, as a Christian, had never even thought about before, and until I had this time, this pregnancy, where I was forced to just sit and wait and trust God and not do anything, Mm -hmm. um, that even thought about that day and the fact that Jesus' disciples, you know, he died on Friday, and they did not have the benefits that we have now. Right. They didn't really know what was coming, Mm -hmm. and they were then, it was a Sabbath. Like, that was not an accident. That was totally God. He had that planned out, that they would have this day where they couldn't do anything. They couldn't run. They couldn't run away. They Mm -hmm. had to kind of hide themselves away and sit, essentially, Mm -hmm. and just be there with their grief and probably just wondering what was going to happen next. I just was really struck by that then in my own life, living through a period of having to wait and trust God in my grief. um, I realized that so many of us go through those seasons. Either we've had a huge disappointment or a loss, or we have a great hope that has not yet been fulfilled. All those things kind of bring us to this place where we just have to wait. 
Mm-hmm. And we just have to trust God, even though our circumstances are not to the positive at all. You know, everything is pointing to doom and gloom. Right. And we just have to trust for that Sunday, for that miracle. So this particular season for me began when I found out that I was having identical twin girls. Mm-hmm. And it was a complete shock because yeah. we don't have twins in our family at all. And they were identical. We found that out because they were sharing a placenta. So that can be just fine. If you're having identical twins and they're sharing a placenta, that can really work out just fine. So don't Mm -hmm. let this story scare you. Mm -hmm. But my girls had what's called twin-to-twin transfusion. When they're sharing that placenta, but one of the girls is getting kind of all of my nutrients and the other one is giving all of her nutrients to her sister. So they thought that that might be the case. They knew that they were sharing a placenta, but it was kind of a wait-and-see scenario. And to kind of back up, one of the, my favorite parts of our story is my daughter's name. I knew I was going to have a daughter because I knew that her name was going to be Priscilla. Um, God had told me before I even had any kids, that I was going to have a daughter named Priscilla. And I was pretty excited about that because Priscilla in the Bible, if you don't know the story, it's in Acts 18. But Mm -hmm. Priscilla and her husband Aquila are talked about a lot in the Bible. And I love the fact that Priscilla is always talked about first. So girl power. Yeah, total. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) But I loved this story because um, in Acts 18, they're talked about a couple of times, but this is kind of their big story. Um, she and her husband were listening to this guy, Apollos, and he was a very good speaker, and he was talking about God and God's plan, but he had not yet heard about Jesus, so he didn't have the whole plan. Mm-hmm. And so once he was finished talking, it said that they pulled him aside, and they told him more accurately about God. And I just loved that picture of Priscilla being an evangelist, and then Apollos goes on to be maybe one of the greatest evangelists next to Paul of that early church era. So mm-hmm. it's a really big deal what you know she did there with her husband. So yeah. I was like, yes, I'm going to have a daughter. Her name will be Priscilla. She will be a mighty evangelist, yeah. and it's going to be awesome. So, so cool. um, when we saw those little girls on ultrasound, I mean. For one, I was shocked because there were two of them. But I knew right away which one was going to be Priscilla. Um, she was baby A. And she was the one actually getting all of my nutrients. So she was virtually just swimming in fluid. I didn't know this stuff until this happened to me. But babies, they get their blood from you, from the placenta, and then they make waste, which is their pee, essentially. And then that's the fluid that they're swimming in. So that's mm-hmm. gross, but mm-hmm. anyway, moving yeah. on from that. <laughs> I hope this is not the highlight of the story, but no. anyway. Okay, guys, so moving forward, my daughter was floating in her pee like every other baby, and yeah. she was making a lot of it because she was getting so much nutrients, because my body knew that I had two babies, because our bodies are miraculous, and God is incredible. He knew that I had two babies in there, and so my body knew they both needed nutrients, and it also knew that one of them wasn't getting enough. So not only was Priscilla getting all of her own fluids and all of her sister's fluids, my body was actually like double timing her because it was like, ooh, but this baby over here isn't good enough. Let me give you more. Right. And then that baby would pass it on. So she was just virtually doing flips in this giant void of fluid because she had so much. Wow. Yeah. But 
as a mom, you know, looking on the little ultrasound screen, it was just a delight. You know, a moving baby is a healthy baby, right? So yeah. So she was doing flips and just constantly in motion, and I just loved it. And I was like, that is Priscilla, like 100%. Yeah. So <laughs> we really weren't told that we had anything serious to worry about until about 20 weeks. And I was being seen every week. They were monitoring the girls. But finally, I think miraculously, my doctor went on vacation and another doctor came in, another fetal specialist just said, look, this is really serious. And I did not know this at the time, but that doctor called Texas Children's Hospital in Houston and said, look, we have a hopeless case here. Mm. We were living in Georgia at the time. And my husband was out in the field, like unavailable, and I was chilling at the doctor's office, and they come in and they say, look, we don't think the girls are going to make it, but we do have the specialist in Houston who said we deal in hopeless cases, like, come and we'll try to save your girls. Mm -hmm. So within 24 hours, our lives were just turned upside down. Mm -hmm. We got on a red-eye flight to Houston from Georgia, from Atlanta, and I was started to go into labor, probably because of the stress and all the extra fluid. I looked like I was nine months pregnant, even though I was only 20 weeks. Yeah. And I often think about what the people on the plane must have thought, because I was, like, deep breathing. And oh, yeah. They're like, uh, is she going to get birth um, right here on the plane? <laughs> I know. Like, the lady behind me in the row behind me gave her, me her, like, little blow-up pillow to, like, put behind my back, and I'm sure they were all just like, oh, my gosh, we're about to witness this woman give birth right here on yeah. Airlines. Yeah. Um, but I was just praying, like, God, just keep my babies in long enough for us to try to save them. Yeah. And so we made it to Houston. We met with our doctors at Texas Children that night, and they said, we're going to do this miraculous surgery. Um, where they go in and they actually divide my placenta in half. And they that would give both girls a chance to survive. Okay. We just trusted God that he was going to take care of it. And we knew that he can perform miracles. And we just prayed for our girls. And we were like, this is the answer. This is the solution. Um, and it really was the only solution. So we went into surgery the next morning. And they did the surgery. And they actually took pictures inside of my uterus. Like with a real camera, which is cool. So we got real pictures of Priscilla inside of my stomach. Wow. So we have a little picture of her hand and her little feet. And they're not ultrasound pictures. They're like legit. So wow. it's pretty cool. Yeah. So they were um, very successful in doing the surgery. And the girls made it through surgery, which was a huge risk. And mm -hmm. they made it through until the first marker is like the 48-hour mark. But they checked the girls right after surgery and they were doing okay but Priscilla was not doing her normal like flips and dances and they were concerned about her and they put me on oxygen and they said you know she's been through a whole lot during this time that we you know she's alive she's making it so we just had to wait essentially lay in bed with an oxygen mask and wait mm -hmm. and before the 48 hour mark the head of the fetal department came in on his day off it was a Sunday and he came in, he said, you know, I think we're just going to check the girls again. And so he did an ultrasound, and just right away, like, the little wand was on Priscilla, and she wasn't moving at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And it just, it was such a shock. 
diagnostic, I, I really went into the same amount of shock that I had when I found out I was having twins. It just seemed so unreal. Right. I so believed that they would make it. And so in that moment, I was so full of grief and had all the emotions. And I mean, I went through them all, I can tell you. But in the days ahead, I definitely was angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was yelling at God in the shower. And mm-hmm. I was like, God, just, you know, you gave me this daughter and you gave me her name and I believed who she was going to be. And God just reminded me. He said, think back of what was the first thing you thought about when you found out that she was gone. And so I thought back to that and that was actually, I was so overwhelmed with my own grief. But then the next thought I thought of was, I had no idea what God went through mm. when he gave us his son mm. and that he loved his son so much. I mean, he was his son and his son was perfect. My kids are not perfect, <laughs> but his was, and mm-hmm. he was everything he dreamed he was going to be. And he was always obedient and perfect in every way. And he not only lost his son, but he gave his son for me and for you. And it mm-hmm. was so overpowering. I had no idea what God's grief would, was like right. until that moment of losing my daughter. Because yeah. of so much more, but that he loved us so much. So God just said to me, look, Priscilla, she fulfilled her her name because she explained God more adequately to you and more mm. accurately to you. Wow. And so I was like, oh. <laughs> she did. Um, so uh, it was an incredible picture, even in my loss. And it definitely did not make it easier by any means. But it was just, I guess, a reminder the whole way through. There were always these markers or these reminders. That's just one of them, yeah. really. There were so many when I would just be so overcome by grief that God would just show me something to remind me that He was there and that this was not. Mm-hmm. an accident or that he'd forgotten us or wasn't listening to us yeah I'm so, sure I'm sure you get that bible verse that comes to your mind he's close to the brokenhearted yeah verse. my book I say your favorite quote even though it sounds really morbid but you know God doesn't give dying grace on any other day but the day that we're dying but he mm-hmm. always gives exact right amount of grace yeah for every moment that we go through and I talk about that in my book but then I also say then that first day he was so present he was so there when we got that news about Priscilla but then like what about all those other days like after that day and that's mm-hmm. when it really gets hard and anyone listening has been through grief like you know that there's all the day after day after or the days that it's hard. It's those days between. And he did show up in that too. And he taught me so much from that season. And I'm just grateful that he showed that to me, that I, I was aware of what he was doing. Even looking back, I can see him so much more clearly. But I did want to also tell you the name of my other daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have two, and they were identical. And our other daughter really did not have a name prepared for her because we were not expecting twins. Yeah. <laughs> but she, so she went unnamed for a little bit. When we saw her on the screen, she was stuck up in kind of the corner of my uterus at the top, and she couldn't really move at all because she didn't hardly have any liquid around her because she wasn't getting any nutrients, so she wasn't peeing. Mm-hmm. And she, her little arms were up, like, over her face. 
can even like move them down really mm-hmm. and she was just very still but alive and you know, we were just so so worried for her so when God gave us her name which is Tabitha it really just seemed so perfect because the Tabitha in the Bible actually does die and her friends are so devastated that they go to Peter Jesus disciple and they tell him how great she was and how sad they are and he goes in and he prays for her and she is raised from the dead and the verse in Acts 9 I think says and because of this many people believed in Jesus mm-hmm. and so we were just all odds are against this baby but we're this is her name God has given it to her and we're going to believe that even if she dies and he can raise her from the dead mm. so um, when we found out that Priscilla had passed away Emma was still alive she was still slowly making it the little part of that was given to her kind of gave her more life. They were very, very concerned about her, and they told us that she would need many heart surgeries when she was born if she made it to birth Mm. um, because her heart had been so severely damaged during the time that she was kind of without nutrients. So we were just, now our faith had really been rattled because we lost a child, and we now knew that that was a possibility even more so. Like, as believers... You know, we're always believing in big things, but when that belief is kind of rocked in a hard or way, it's so much harder to pray for a miracle when you've just lost a miracle. I bet. I can't um, imagine. Yeah, so we, but we just, I mean, called out to our friends and family and just begged God and asked everyone to pray, and the Tabitha stayed put, and she made it, even though I went into labor a couple of times, and they would stare it off, and... It was a very dramatic month or two or three or four because time just passed. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. She just kept making it. Like, she, I would go into labor, and they would stop it. And we'd have, like, a dramatic night in the OR. You know, it was just incredible. But she did. She made it all the way to 38 weeks. When she was born, they whisked her to the other side of the room, and this huge team of doctors, like, checked her all over and then they brought her over to me, and she was teeny, teeny, tiny because she still had gone through a lot, but she was perfect, mm. and they did every test that they could on her, and her heart was perfect, oh. even though the very best cardiologist in the world had said that she would need many heart surgeries. It was completely healthy. So, yeah, praise God. It just shows. I know. You know, not everything the doctors say. We got to be in faith and trust God because he's got the power. Yeah. So we um, we have her, I mean, she's six now. So she is great. There's She's had no health problems in that department at all. Um, and she is a living testament to what God can do. She yeah. actually has a little dimple that's right over her heart, and I asked the doctor once about it, her pediatrician, and they are like, oh, just a little birthmark, and I was like, no, that is where God touched her that's, heart. Oh, because, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. He, um, but so really both of our girls, first of all, lived up to their name, and they both, in different ways, um, one in grief and hardship for us and the other in life and miracles for us has pointed us to Jesus in a huge way and really it changed my life forever and writing the book about their lives taught me so much there were several things that the storyteller in me was having a hard time writing about at each time the Lord would just take me back to that moment it took me quite a few years to write it because I 
started writing when I had a newborn, so that obviously was a rough time to be writing. Um, yeah, (laughs) I don't know how you had any creative juices going whatsoever. (laughs) I think I was running on three hours of sleep every night, so. (laughs) I know, but it was kind of therapy, too, and it really was crazy. I put off writing a few parts because they were particularly hard for me to write, so I remember one of the times they thought that Tabitha was going to have to be, you know, taken out, like that she was in distress and wasn't, her heart wasn't beating properly. And so they had taken me down to be ready to go into the OR. Mm -hmm. And I was having a hard time writing that passage because it had been such a rough, rough night for me. And I had been so upset with God because he had not felt close to me at all that day. And Mm -hmm. so I put off writing about that because even though, you know, I'm covering the loss of a child in this book, I'm really like a super cheerful person. And so I wanted Mm -hmm. my book to be uplifting and not bring anyone down. Mm -hmm. And so I was having a hard time seeing what is the silver lining of this particular part of our story. And I just remember just having huge wires block about it. And finally, I was just like, God, I don't even know if I remember it that well. It was over a year ago. And then we went to church that day, and the song that they opened worship with was, When Jesus Walks Into the Room, Everything Changes. Do you know oh, that song? yes, I do. Yeah. Our church sings it a lot, too. Uh, I can't uh, sing, though. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to help right, you there. listening to this podcast, we're not going to sing it for you, but you can go listen to yeah. it on your own <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so you guys go listen to it. It's really good. And then imagine me, like, tears streaming down my face, ugly crying, because I was fully just, I was taken back. I've never been, like, transported anywhere, like, you know, we're not mm. metaphysically speaking, but yeah. this was like that. I was just, like, back in that room, and this time I saw my circumstances from God's perspective, and mm. it was totally different, and yeah. it was, it just blew my mind, and I went home, and I was, like, locked the door, and I just, like, wrote for, like, two hours, and it was really such an incredible moment for me as a writer and a storyteller you know, you're like, I'm a good writer, like, I'm, I'm good at my craft, et cetera, et cetera, but it was in that moment that I was like, this is not my book, this is totally book, and I just get to be the person who types out what he tells me to write, so it was a pretty mm-hmm. cool moment. How long were you a believer before you went yeah, through all this? A, yeah, that's a good question. I had actually been a Christian most of my life, I was in my late 20s at the time, so... I had been a Christian for a long time, but I wouldn't say I was a church-going, good little Christian girl. Nothing bad had ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I said in my story, you know, that I was just in such shock. Like, in my mind, you know, a good Christian believes that God's going to do something, and then he does it, and you're rewarded for your faith. And I had never really experienced that kind of grief in the sense that what I 100% did not want to happen, happened. Sure. Um, yeah. I'd had hard moments in my life to that point, but those moments, and I feel like we all have them, where it's, it's so shaking of your faith that you really do almost have that question in your mind. If you're like, do I still believe in God? Mm-hmm. And we think, yes, yes, I do. And then is, is he still good? And you're like, well, yeah, like I have no other answer, but yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the circumstance itself is so horrible and so hard that it actually makes us have to say that to ourselves. We have to question it. Right, um, right. 
I think going through those trials, the grief, loss, God uses it in a way to to bring us closer to him and to really make him just so real in our life. We wonder, you know, why are we going through this? What What's going on? And as you're leaning into God with the questions, he's showing up and he's showing you who he is. You know, the things that happen in this life, most of them aren't explainable, but we do know and believe in his promises and what he says. He says that he's good all the time. So we got to just trust on what his word says. And regardless, this is just the middle, you know, this is just we're <laughs> passing through and we've got eternity waiting for us. Really? Yeah, we're all in our day between right now. This yes. Is everybody's rough spot. This is the roughest. Yeah. Yep. And it's really, this is the purpose. What you're doing right now, you're using it for good by reaching out about your your story, about your testimony of how did God bring you through that dark of a time. But you still point people to Jesus and say, God showed up. God revealed this. I'm here to comfort others because of what I went through. Yeah. And I, I dedicated my book to moms who've lost children, because I did feel like during that season, he put people in my life who, one lady lost her son at the age of 25 in a car accident, and mm-hmm. then I met a mom when I was at the Ronald McDonald house, and we got, got really close, and he passed away a few months after Tabitha was born from brain cancer, and he mm-hmm. was 13, mm-hmm. and each one of those ladies, and seeing their grief and their hardship that they went through there's just nothing like it and then there's nothing to compare to a mom who's lost a child either through stillbirth or miscarriage or later in life like it is the most holy of suffering but as well that you know most of us have been impacted by someone who's lost a child whether it's a friend who's lost a child or we ourselves have you know it's just a really much more common than I realized so I hope that also my book kind of helps those that maybe haven't experienced loss to maybe can understand a little bit more what helps, what doesn't help, yeah, um, what not to say. <laughs> oh, right. I know. I know that's a big one. I, I had a miscarriage before my first child, and I wasn't far along, but I still grieved it, and I still knew I lost, yeah. you know, what could have been. And so I did go through those stages and I guess my coping mechanism, I didn't listen to the doctors and I just was like, I'm getting pregnant right away again, you know, in order to Uh cope with the loss. And fortunately, everything went great, you know, with that, with the first child, but they definitely wanted me to, you know, wait a couple of menstrual cycles before I start getting pregnant. And I just remember telling myself, I'm, I'm just doing it. I'm just, this is my coping mechanism. I just felt like in order to feel better, I'd have to have another child or try again. But, you know, this was kind of before really seeking my personal relationship with the Lord. So it was a little more on my own will, my own decision, desire. That's very common. Like we went, we're like, well, but I I also remember someone saying, well, at least you have another baby. Like at least you got another baby out of the deal. And I remember thinking like, man, no, they're totally different children. Yeah. I mean, I... 
I still had to grieve the the one. Yeah. Um, we each, you know, deal with things differently. And I had people, you know, share their very well-meaning advice about how to deal with grief. And now my major party line is I don't give anyone any suggestions because yeah. everyone deals with it so differently. The only thing I would say is there's no timeline and you shouldn't put yourself on a timeline. Like you can grieve 10 years later, I wake up one morning and just feel so, so sad. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. the Lord, he is big enough to handle our grief and our anger and our questions. He can handle it all. And he wants to. He wants us to bring all those things to him. He delights in us bringing those things to him. So. Yeah, that's right. And I love how you're saying you know, having another child didn't replace the other one. And that's so true. Because when I was doing that coping mechanism of getting pregnant again, it didn't take away the pain of losing the first one. So that's so true. I'm so glad that you brought that up, because it really doesn't and the timeline, that's definitely our own unique time and God is so gentle with us and knows exactly what we need to be able to move forward. And not everybody moves forward on the same timeline. So that's so good that you said that. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard, but I know another thing that Lord showed me during that season was in the story of the lame man that the friends lowered down through the ceiling. Mm. You remember that story? Yes. Uh huh. In that particular passage, it says that Jesus turned to the man and said, your sins are forgiven. And then everyone's like grumbling in their minds and under their breath, like, who is he here for like forgiving his sins? Yeah. And Jesus says, I know that all of you are thinking, who is this guy that he thinks he can forgive sins? And so to show you that I have that authority, I'm going, you know, he turns to the man and says, you know, stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I mean, I had been a Christian a really long time, almost my whole life. And I had heard that story innumerable times. And this is the first time in my life where it just hit me that if no one had grumbled, if everyone had just been like, oh, yeah, he just forgave him his sins, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus might not have healed his legs. Right. He might have just been like, your sins are forgiven. And God just showed me, like, Abigail, your relationship with me and your sinful heart and bringing that sinful heart around to me is paramount. Mm-hmm. Because your time on this earth is like a second. And any suffering or grief or sadness or hardship that you may experience here on earth is just like a second mm-hmm. in light of eternity. And my my great goal in life is to bring you to myself. And so if you have to go through hard things to get to that point, then you know, he's willing to do that. Mm-hmm. But it just had never really clicked with me before that my needs and comfort and how I feel and me being happy is not God's great goal. But just having a close relationship with him, he will do anything to get it. Yeah. Uh, that brings me to a, a license plate frame when I lived in California. <laughs> and I said, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And this is before personal relationship got developed. And it was, I was a Christian, but I was just trying to yeah. figure everything out. And I'm like, You were like, whoa. Yeah, I, got, I don't <laughs> like that. I can't believe that lady has that on her car. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's maybe 
maybe I maybe I shouldn't have shared that message because it's hard, and I don't even know if we can get it unless the Lord writes that on our own hearts. Like, yeah, yeah, so definitely. Not there yet, I, I get it. No. I'm not there yet either. And what's funny <laughs> is I was going, wow, I don't know if she's got that right. I'm thinking yeah. to myself, and then years go by, and I'm going, oh, yeah, now I'm looking back at that lady's license plate frame, and it is so true. He is more interested in my character than my comfort. And, um, wow. yeah, it definitely <laughs> is that way, and it is because our purpose here is to build God's kingdom, bring people, you know, yeah. to know him and to live an eternity in heaven. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So cool. So do you want to let the listeners know about your podcast and the name of your book again and and all that? Yeah. Yeah, your ministry and what you do? Yeah, so I am the editor-in-chief of a uh, website called Into the Harvest, which is intotheharvest.org. You can find us there. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Into the Harvest. And we have a podcast called Into the Harvest. It's very easy. Just Into the Harvest yeah. everywhere you go. Um, but we are just there to encourage believers as they kind of step out of the church building and into their everyday places of how to share their story and God's story in a easy and reproducible way. Um, so we have a podcast that will, our new season will be starting in April, but you can go catch up on season one if you would like. And we just try to cover everything from just what it is to be a Christian to how to do it on a day-to-day basis to how to share your story. Um, We have guests and my co-host and I talk about stuff. So it's a lot of fun. You you can catch me in all those places. And also, my book is called The Day Between, A Memoir of Miracles. And it's on Amazon or you can order it from Barnes & Noble or anywhere else that you buy books. So I hope you can check it out. So cool. Well, congratulations on that book. Thank yeah, you. That's a lot of work and especially <laughs> having to go back and relive some moments and everything that it entails from beginning to the publishing to the launching and <laughs> everything in between. Well, it's definitely the Lord's word. It's been a privilege to bring my story to, to you guys today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Amy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on here, and we'll speak soon. Okay, cool. Hi, friends. In our reflection time from Abigail's story, have you gone through a loss or time of grief? If so, recount the times you felt God was near. Write them down in detail and tell a close friend. When we remember what God has done, it increases our faith and it brings encouragement for others as well. As we go through seasons of life, remembering that God is good all the time, no matter what our circumstances look like, brings us hope. List some things you might be going through that needs a reminder that our God is good. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J A Y M E 
Elizabeth, She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.